Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Charting Queer Health, a podcast at the intersection of queer culture, healthcare, and research. On behalf of Howard Brown Health in Chicago, I am your host, as always, Matt. I identify as a cis white gay man, and I'm a Chicago resident. And on top of that, I have the incredible opportunity to sit down with various experts across our organization and across our community to learn from their expertise, amplify their stories and voices, and advance the conversation surrounding queer healthcare. Joining us today is Rachel Thomas. Rachel, uh, thank you for coming. Would you mind introducing yourself, your role here at Howard Brown, and your pronouns? Absolutely. Um, so I am Rachel Thomas. Um, I'm the prenatal case manager with the obstetrics and gynecology department here at Howard Brown. And my pronouns are she and her. So prenatal case manager with the obstetrics and gynecology department. Run us through uh, what that position is, because that's quite the long title. Absolutely. It is a little bit of word soup. (laughs) Um, So a prenatal case manager is someone who works with pregnant people to connect them to resources that they may need that are beyond their clinical needs throughout their pregnancy. Um, But typically, I would connect them to resources that support them around the five social determinants of health. Um, So things that um, would connect them to housing, jobs, um, health insurance, um, also just resources um, to get support throughout their pregnancy too, really anything that they would need. Yeah, it's this recurring trend I'm sensing through all the services that we offer at Howard Brown, whether it's BYC or, or you know, Black Paternal Health or anything that um, we, we, we like to be holistic in, in offering health care because, you know, we can prescribe something, we can offer a solution in the exam room, uh, but like we said, the deter- determinants of health is everything around it that kind of impacts somebody's uh, ability to have a healthy outcome. So I, I love that we, we offer that. What are some of those, what are the most utilized resources that you see uh, with your time as a case manager? Um, Definitely housing is one of the main um, resources that is utilized, Um, as well as our partnership with the Chicago Volunteer Doulas. I would say that was... Chicago Volunteer Doulas? Yes. Is that a thing? Run me through that. Yes. Um, So I'm super excited about this partnership. It's one that I have worked on for pretty much all of my... um, my time here at Howard Brown. Um, and so the Chicago Volunteer Doulas, they are a volunteer nonprofit um, run all throughout the city. Um, doulas volunteer their time to support pregnant people throughout their pregnancy, labor, as well as postpartum. And Howard Brown is actually partnered with them so that every prenatal patient can have access to a doula for free. That's incredible. And a, a doula... In layman's terms, for those who might not be familiar, a doula does what? So a doula is a support person. They're a non-clinical support person who can kind of guide a person through their pregnancy. Um, So they meet with a pregnant person, go through a birth plan, really going through everything that they want to do throughout their pregnancy, as well as during labor and delivery. I think that pregnancy and labor are topics that are pretty mystified in our society. Um, So when someone becomes pregnant, they may not necessarily know everything that goes into their pregnancy journey, as well as um, what options they may need to decide in advance about their labor and delivery. Um, So a doula is someone who can really sit them down and work them through all of those topics. Um, Plus, they can be an advocate for the patient. Right. So they can help the patient advocate for the decisions they want to make with their obstetrics provider, as well as with the team who's going to help them throughout their labor. Gotcha. Um, yeah, that makes sense, because I, it does. 
ring true that like pregnancy is really something that uh, our society doesn't talk a ton about. I mean, obviously, you know, in America we have children and everything, but the the actual details and and what it's like to actually become pregnant and and have a child is not uh, as as well known, I guess, as it should be. Um, so it sounds like a doula is just kind of. Um, they're, yeah, they're a support person. Like you said, they, they're there to answer questions. They can point them to more specific healthcare. It sounds like if they need that. Um, and they're just kind of there to, to guide them down the path. So that's, I'm interested then that like doulas, I feel like are, do, do they have a place in a traditional hospital setting or do they function in, in, cause that like that role seems so important and makes so much sense. But I wonder why I don't hear it like coming from hospitals. It's always like, if you want one, it's extra. Like, shouldn't everybody have somebody in that role? Right. Well, I'm of the opinion that everyone <laughs> should have a doula. Yeah. Um, doulas have been around for millennia. Um, since people have been giving birth, doulas have existed. Um, but I would say in the American, like, healthcare um, landscape, doulas are relatively become new. I wouldn't say new, but they're becoming more popular, especially within the healthcare landscape. Um, and hospitals are starting to offer them more and more. Um, I think even with, there was a recent act passed in Congress that expands access to like maternal health care, um, and doula care was included in that um, for Medicare coverage, which is exciting. Um, but I would say that doulas were not necessarily on the landscape in the way that they are now before, um, just because, like I said, Birth is mystified. A lot of people um, didn't know about doula care, um, even though it is necessary. <laughs> um, and I think also like doula care can play a great role in closing the gap um, in health outcomes for people who have barriers to access traditional health care. Gotcha. Yeah. I My brain is running in like a thousand different directions right now, so I'm going to try to start out my thoughts on this because there's so many interesting angles. Um when I have some, my family has some experience in like the, the nursing world for OBGYN. So I'm, I'm kind of aware of the dynamics, but I feel like if most people hear doula, they kind of think of like a, you know, somebody who may have more resources when they're choosing what they want their, you know, birth to look like. So they're going to do like a home water birth and they're going to bring in a doula and like, I feel like to the person who might be unfamiliar with it, it sounds a little, um, like like fancy like they they have the option they have the resources to like do a quote-unquote non-traditional healthcare plan for their pregnancy so they're going to bring in you know this extra specialist to help things out is that kind of misplaced or like th that's how people might see it but we're we're of the opinion that everybody deserves a doula right that's, right okay. exactly and i'm so glad that you brought that up um, because first I just want to say that if you decide to have a home birth, it's not necessarily a fancy thing, right? Like, I think it's associated that way um, in popular culture, especially. Um, but having a home birth can be a great option for people, especially who feel traumatized by a hospital setting. Um, so I do want to validate that experience. But then also, yes, I do believe that doulas kind of have this reputation of being like kind of like touchy-feely, like go with the flow kind of, um, of a resource. Um, but in actuality, when you go in to deliver in a hospital or really wherever you decide to give birth, um, especially if you're doing so with clinical staff, 
you know, they may not be there in the room with you throughout the whole process. You know, a staff member will continually check on you. Um, when labor becomes active, you know, you may notice some more activity in the room. Um, but typically, you won't have a clinical person there with you the whole time, and labor can be very long. Um, you do need that consistent support from someone who's trained um, to kind of guide you through the process um, and also to, you know, speak up for you if medical staff is introducing those clinical interventions that you may not want and may not have the language to explain to them that they understand and also respect. Um, so I think it's really valuable to have that kind of non-biased intermediary between you and the clinical staff to explain those things and just fight for you, you yeah, know, so you can a, have the birth experience you want. It's an advocate. That makes perfect sense. I witnessed both of my sister's um, births to, to their daughters. And so I know that like that moment when active labor is happening, the the person delivering a child, like you said, does not necessarily always have the words to communicate their needs or their desires. And sometimes the birthing plan that you made with a doctor might not, uh, it might be a different doctor. Sometimes, I mean, babies come when they want to. So, you know, it could be a different team of people that wasn't aware of certain needs or desires. So it makes perfect sense to have an advocate there. Um, especially if, you know, a, a, a partner or another loved one isn't there to communicate those needs. Um, I kind of want to veer into uh, kind of the the lens that we're looking at this issue through today, which is it's Black Maternal Health Week. Um, and... Yay. Yeah, I I'm I'm so curious about this issue because, uh, like I said, I didn't I didn't realize that there was a disparity in how uh, you know healthy outcomes for pregnant individuals um, until I started working with Howard Brown and kind of delving into all these issues. Walk me through what Black Maternal Health Week is, why it's necessary, and I, I know that's a big question, but like a, a brief <laughs> overview. Yes, um, it is a big issue, so I'll try to be brief. Um, but Black Maternal Health Week actually is was just like officialized last year, um, or made official last year um, by President Biden. Um, but it has really been celebrated over the past five years by Black Mamas Matter Alliance, um, and really by Black women in general for um, decades, I would say. Um, but it's really a week that highlights the disparity between Black birthing outcomes and the rest of the birthing outcomes in the U.S. Um, specifically, even though it can be translated internationally, but it is focused on the U.S. So in the U.S., um, Black people who birth are actually three to five times more likely to die from a pregnancy-related cause um, in comparison to white birthing people. Wow. Um, that, I think, is one of the more shocking statistics. Um, I think for Black people... It is like 55.3 out of 100,000 people who die compared to 17.3 of white people. So that's like a stark contrast, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, but in addition, black people are more likely to suffer from postpartum depression. Um, they're more likely to not be believed by their provider in terms of pain tolerance mm -hmm. and the pain they're experiencing. They're more likely to be discriminated against when they go to access healthcare. They're also more likely to not have health insurance, whether that's public or private. Um, so really it speaks to, I think the numbers speak to the crisis that we're experiencing um, around access to adequate um, and trusted, I would say, healthcare for black pregnant people, um, as well as access to resources. Um, 
in this country. And I think Black um, Black Maternal Health Week is really focused on bringing on shedding light to that disparity and also focusing on ways that we can address it. Wow, that was a an excellent. That overview. was a mouthful. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm wrapping my brain around everything and, and thinking where to go next because there are so many layers to this discussion. Um, I mean, there's there's how Howard Brown fits into it. There is you know why are those numbers that way in the first place? What are, how do we solve it? Things like that. Um, and I guess I'll start with this. Do you obviously we can't point to like a specific like this is why this is the case. Is this you know, just another manifestation of systemic racism in, in, in healthcare? Is it, what, what factors are at play here that cause these kind of, um, this kind of disparity in health outcomes? Yeah, absolutely. I think it is definitely a result of systemic racism. And like you mentioned, it is very layered, right? Um, so to start, there's a lot of distrust of the medical community in black communities um, across the U.S., Um, which prevents them from accessing care in the way that people of other races do. Um, In addition, like I said, the access to healthcare, um, whether that is like having insurance, um, if you don't have insurance for a while, you may not be in the habit of going to the doctor, you know, Um, even if you do become pregnant. Um, And then if you do have insurance, the quality of care that you're receiving may not be um, the quality that a person of another race may get as well. Um, and then there's this phenomenon of kind of not being believed or not having your wishes respected. Yeah, that's um, interesting to me. I don't right. Ha- go, yeah, keep talking about that. I just, I don't know how not, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, interesting to me. Keep, keep discussing that. I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, um, there is a study that was released um, showing bias in providers, um, especially non-black providers, um, in regards to their black patients. Um, just, you know, perceptions that black people are not as knowledgeable about their own health are less likely to, um, like, be quote unquote compliant when they are um, being given direction by a provider. Um, that they're less likely to um, be truthful with their provider about their lifestyle. Um, So all of that kind of combines to not giving adequate education to the patient and also not giving adequate care, right? Mm. If a patient is telling you about specific symptoms and you don't necessarily believe them or you don't think that, you know, a diagnosis, you know, applies to them, then you won't be giving them the same quality of care or won't be giving them the resources that they need. Yeah, that phenomenon of not of not being believed, I think it, it, it speaks to, we've had this topic come up um, or, you know, I've had topics related to this topic come up in other episodes and it's all about making sure that your care team for whatever it is, um, is representative of you, uh, and right. whether that's um, through race or identity or um, r- really anything, just making sure that across the board that your your providers um, are you know representative of your identities because it's it truly elevates your care when you when you know that your provider has gone through um, the same things that you have and I mean right. Howard Brown's big about that and that's why Howard Brown exists in the first place is to create healthcare um, for people like you said that have may have had trauma in healthcare in the past and 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 our providers are hired and educated strategically to to kind of tap into that so right absolutely um, 
I think I think that's uh, heartbreaking to hear about, but encouraging that at least for. Obviously, we don't do um, labor and delivery here, but for everything else, it seems like Howard Brown's trying trying their best to kind of combat that bias. Um, do you think, you know, if, if a diverse care team is not available, do you think education is the next solution, like training in in medical school and stuff, or, or, or how else do we remedy that? Yeah, I think education would be amazing. But like I said, doula care is also another way to bridge Mm. that gap. Um, Plug for doula care. Yes. um, I think education for providers is necessary. Um, I also think like revolutionizing the way we think about prenatal care um, and clinical care in general is an excellent way to combat it. Another project that I'm super excited about that we're bringing to the OB-GYN team um, is this idea of centering. Have you heard of centering before? No. Okay. I so, have now though. Yeah. It's super, I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I can tell. I'm um, excited to hear about it. Yeah. So it's actually coming to the 63rd site starting April 22nd, and we will hopefully be expanding to our other sites as well. Um, but centering healthcare is group prenatal care meaning that patients, so typically when a patient comes in for their appointment, not just for an obstetrics appointment, but really any appointment, um, they'll come, they'll sit in the waiting room, then they're called into the room, they'll wait some more, the provider will come in and maybe spend like 15 to 20 minutes with them, and then that'll be the end of their visit, right? Hmm. Any questions that they don't think of in that time, they may not necessarily get to ask their provider. They'll have to schedule another visit. Um, They really won't get the input of the community and community knowledge. They'll only get what the provider can tell them in that 15 to 20 minutes, right? So with Centering Healthcare, we completely turn that on its head. So when patients come in, they go directly into their healthcare space, they actually learn how to do some of their own health assessment. So they take their own blood pressure, they take their own weight, they, um, you know, grab the cup and do their own urine, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, And then they'll still have time for a private check with their provider just to make sure everything is going well. Um, And then they'll have an hour and a half to two hours to have a group discussion on different health topics and also like non-clinical topics like doula care, nutrition, things like that um, with their provider as well as other community experts and another group of pregnant folks, right? So that they can all share their knowledge, ask any questions, you know, any questions they don't think of other pregnant people may think of and ask as well. Um, so it's really a more holistic and patient-centered way to do prenatal care. Um, and it honestly is one of the best ways to improve health outcomes. Like we have lower rates of preterm birth, lower weight rates of low weight birth, um, as well as like lower rates of more maternal mortality. So lower deaths related yeah. to pregnancy, which is the main goal. Um, plus we have higher chest feeding rates. So people who are interested in human milk feeding are more successful. Um, and they're more engaged in their healthcare. They're more prepared for when they go to the hospital to deliver. And really that's, you know, that's the dream. (laughs) Yeah, that's wow. That, that all makes so much sense. Uh, but I'm like flabbergasted that like it's revolutionary in a way, like, it seems so natural that that should be instituted everywhere, but it's also, you know, 
news to me that it's just now being piloted. Uh, so I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. And that I feel like has ramifications for how we approach, uh, you know, health or like long-standing health conditions uh, outside of of maternal health, whether it's you know people living with HIV or whatever it is. Um, that community aspect strikes me as hugely important. Um, but like w- within maternal health, um, I know pregnant people that I've, I've talked with before have like often resorted to like online chat rooms or like c- online communities to try to like ask those questions. Cause I, I know a little bit about what the body goes through in <laughs> preparation for birth. And there is a lot of things happening and a lot of, like you said, like little stuff that you might not think about that, you know, you have questions about, but you only see a provider what once a month maybe uh and so that's not nearly enough time to get solid advice on things to get other people's opinions to learn how how you know how how to have a good healthy outcome for your child and so I think that yeah that idea of like almost like group therapy it's not therapy but like group health outcome I don't I don't know I don't know what the word I'm looking for is but um it just makes so much sense to me and I'm so thrilled that Howard Brown's doing that so that's just at uh what location so it's starting? at the 63rd street gotcha. site in Inglewood yeah. um but we're opening it up to all of our obstetrics patients right so if yeah. you want to join us at the 63rd clinic um then you're more than welcome to join that centering group as well even if that's not typically your your clinic site centering yes that's awesome I and I, it strikes me that like that because we've talked to Dr. Corey Brown before about like having to advocate for your own health, uh, you know, whether it's just a normal physical checkup um, or in this case, maternal health, that like that sense of advocacy and knowing what you need and being able to speak up for it in an educated way. I mean, obviously in a perfect world, our providers are in tune to our needs and, and believe everybody and it's, you know, it all functions that well. But the reality is as a patient, whatever condition you're facing, you have to, almost, you know, make a list of your needs and and be able to back it up when you go into a doctor's office because those visits are so short and you do have such limited time to say like, I'm feeling this and I need this and I think it's this. Uh, And so that group strikes me as a good place to kind of um, flex that muscle of advocacy, so to speak, to to really empower people to to speak up for themselves and and to to know uh, their own bodies and, and what they want out of their healthcare experience. So... That's, yeah, absolutely. Are, are, is there plans to roll that out to other locations, or are we? Is it's, that is that the dream at least? It's in the works yeah. for sure. It's in the works, um, but this the sixty third clinic is just where we're piloting it. Yeah. Um, but it is in the works to bring it to every location where OB gyn is offered. So. Is is that a, a, a Howard Brown innovation, or have other healthcare centers been trialing this as well? Yeah, so centering has actually been around since the nineties. Oh wow! Um, and they have brought it to different. Um, healthcare systems and hospitals throughout the country. Um, and it is more like beyond just pregnancy, right? So they do have it for other healthcare conditions. Um, but I would say the pre- the pregnancy um, model is one of the best, I would say. Um, and we are just rolling it out to Howard Brown. We just partnered with them, I think, last year, and we're just officially rolling it out in April at the end. That's so exciting. April 22nd. Well, we'll have to have a follow-up episode to kind of discuss that process and, and how things are going. I'm I'm a little bit fascinated with, um, because this is a topic about all conditions that I'm I'm learning uh, is is kind of vocabulary and lexicon we use to, to refer to 
um, different patients or, or clients or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. I liked your choice of the word chest feeding. Uh, w- walk me through, because I, I was even thinking like black maternal health is maternal an outdated word or I, I, I'm, I'm always wanting to use the right language for things. And, and I, like I said, before we started recording, this is a topic I know nothing about. So what, what sort of terms, uh, when we're referring to black maternal health do we like, and what ones are we, um, trying to phase out? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so we do still use the term maternal, unfortunately, I think. I don't think we have come up with a better word um, that encompasses like pregnancy for all genders, right? Because people of all genders become pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, it feels like an outdated term when it rolls off my tongue, but I also am not familiar with another term. So if anyone listening <laughs> knows, please definitely reach out to me. Yeah. Um, but I've been searching for one and haven't found one yet. Um, but yeah, terms like chest feeding as opposed to breastfeeding definitely help to um, make pregnancy terms more gender neutral um, so that people can feel, you know, seen and affirmed in the terms that their provider um, is using when they're receiving care. So chest feeding is one of them. Human milk as opposed to breast milk is one that we use. Um, And then also just mirroring any language that the patient um, may use to refer to themselves as well. Mm -hmm. So um, any language that they use to refer to their body parts is language that we would use. That's, yeah, that kind of... um being in tune with the patient is, is so wonderful. I just think that of like representations in, in media of like what a labor and delivery uh, ward looks like. And it's all like baby mama and right. like mother and baby language. Right. And I mean, even I'm curious your thoughts about like, this is kind of a tangent, but um, that you have the sex of the baby and the gender of the baby. And a lot of times there's no distinction made within healthcare for that. How do, what are, what are your thoughts surrounding that? I don't know that this is all a new frontier for me as well. So I'm curious uh, if you think that there's room for improvement, even in that aspect. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm so glad you also brought up like the mama, cause we use yeah. birthing parent as well, as opposed yeah. to like mother or mama. Um, and so I think in terms of like the gender or biological sex of the baby, um, oftentimes it is something that um, is included in that like genetics testing um, phase of pregnancy. Mm. So you will find out like what the chromosomes are telling you. Um, but, you know, it's not telling you the gender of the baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's I'm no just... way to know the gender of the baby until they tell you. Right. Like themselves. I said, this is it's a little bit of a tangent, but I'm just, right. I'm, I'm seeing... Uh, uh, maybe more and more about, uh, you know, raising children in sort of a non-binary way and allowing right. uh, gender to kind of form on its own. And I'm right. al- always curious if that has had any impact on the way that we perform from a medical standpoint. But maybe right. that's a whole other right. <laughs> podcast episode. But it's yeah. it's just, in, there's like I said, there's a lot of topics right. surrounding black paternal health to, to like dive yeah. into. Yeah. But, but I, as of now, it is still included in the like genetics testing yeah. that they do for not just the sex, but also for a lot of other things. And that's just one things that, thing that they include um, for people who I guess would like to know. Um, but yeah, 
Makes yeah. sense. Um, I, I kind of rewinding back to the the idea of um, trust, uh, or or I guess in some cases mistrust of the healthcare um, by the Black community. I was one of one of our first episodes was about uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, and we were talking that the initial requirement for the vaccine was sixty five and above. Uh, and how the life expectancy in Englewood, in some cases, is only 60. So there's this, uh, like you mentioned, mistrust when it comes to healthcare, because it's like, why why should I put my life in your hands when I wasn't even, you know, a consideration when we made these requirements for the vaccine? So I'm curious how, obviously, we talked about it in, in a few ways of like, you know, making sure that our healthcare experience is inclusive and getting people resources and stuff. But like, how, how do you build that trust back, especially when it comes to maternal health uh, and, and getting these uh, birthing parents to trust their healthcare organizations? I feel like that's a huge challenge. Yeah, absolutely. It is a an enormous challenge, I would say. Um, and I'm so glad you mentioned that about COVID-19 as well. Um, one thing that I often think about is that particularly on the south side in Inglewood, where the Howard Brown Clinic site is, um, we're actually in like a healthcare um, desert in a lot of ways, um, especially for maternal health. There aren't very many places to birth or receive prenatal care as it is. Um, so I think just by being there and providing care um, that does mirror the population. Um, I think we're blessed to have providers who do mirror um, the population in Inglewood um, in a lot of different ways. Um, So being able to walk into the doctor's office and see someone who looks like you to provide care is one way to start bridging that gap. Um, Also, all the work we do, like work I do, if I make it myself some props, (laughs) Um, but Howard Brown in general around providing resources that go beyond just the clinical, right? Like really reaching the patient where they are, asking them, you know, questions to follow up if we're um, giving education around nutrition, are we also making sure that the patient has food to eat when they go home, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and those kind of things, really understanding their world um, and making it a point to tell them that it's important that we understand and asking the, them those deep questions and not just giving them, you know, instructions <laughs> that they may or may not be able to follow is another way to bridge that gap. Um, being consistent, reaching out to them, you know, following up after appointments, making sure that they are coming back and getting that consistent care um, is really important. Um, And just being their advocate as well, you know, knowing that at Howard Brown, unfortunately, we don't um, actually deliver babies. Um, So being that point person to connect them and really close that loop, following up with them after labor and delivery as well and giving them that postpartum care um, is just a way to build trust. You know, we build trust at every appointment. Yeah. I'd say that's the best way. I love in my position kind of getting to connect the dots when it comes to all of our different uh, departments and services uh, and that, that concept of listening to patients first and then, you know, providing healthcare second is really, I think foundational here because, um, I was talking with uh, Jenny Urban at BYC and we discussed how um, even uh, like how they prepare meals there is very feedback driven. You know, it's what, what do you all want to eat today uh, or this week or whatever. Uh, And so we listen and then 
provide follow-up for that. And we kind of apply that same um, approach to, to healthcare because it, yeah, it's, it's the advocacy and, and knowing, having patients know that they uh, are being heard because I, what you said about like giving nutritional advice, but also making sure that they have the actual food to eat. That makes so much sense that like, and I, and I could totally see a provider being like, yeah, make sure that, you know, prenatal care, you need this and this and this and don't eat, you know, raw lunch meat and whatever. But like, that's not always a luxury that everybody has. So it's, it's knowing when you're giving those pieces of advice or, or healthcare, um, that it's culturally informed, I guess is the word. I don't know. Um, but I think that's such good advice that we can, uh, apply to, to all, uh, healthcare, not just maternal healthcare. Um, when it, when it comes to, uh, overcoming those disparities within different communities as it relates to healthcare. Um, now I'm rambling, but I'm so encouraged to hear the the steps that Howard Brown is taking. What's stopping tradition, quote unquote, traditional healthcare organizations from doing the same? Is it just logistics, time, money? Why, why is everybody not doing this? Yeah. So I think it is a combination of all those things you said. I think in this country, many times, um, healthcare systems are very profit driven as opposed to outcome driven. Um, even though, um, being outcome driven could end up saving them money in the long run. But beyond that, um, it's just caring about the community and wanting the outcomes to improve regardless. Right. Um, so I think that, if other healthcare organizations take a nod from Howard Brown, um, they could see their outcomes improve, their communities become more healthy, um, and really see these disparities start to dwindle. Um, but I also think that, you know, we're every day combating these systemic um, issues um, and that it's not necessarily a priority for everyone to solve them. Um, but I think the more people and patients build power within themselves and kind of combat that um, and start, you know, choosing healthcare systems that do pri prioritize positive outcomes, the more these other hospitals and healthcare systems will be pressured to kind of get on board. Yeah, creating that wave to to kind of revolutionize this all. I, yeah, I'm 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 so glad we had you because Black Maternal Health. Um, I mean, when you think about how backwards our healthcare or like, I won't say backwards, how difficult our healthcare system is to navigate for anybody, uh, on a national level. And then you, you know, overlap that with, uh, systemic racism and, you know, this intersectionality, um, that, that we encounter here at the apex of black maternal health is astounding. So this is kind of just the tip of the iceberg, I feel like, um, but it's, I'm, I'm glad to hear the way that Howard Brown is kind of combating things and, and stepping up our game, I guess, so to speak, when it comes to, to black maternal health quickly, uh, any final words or resources where people can learn more, um, about, you know, black maternal health week, um, or if it's, uh, the black mamas matter Alliance, uh, where can people find some more information about this sort of holistic approach to, to birthing outcomes? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you want to learn more about Black Maternal Health Week, definitely visit the Black Mamas Matter Alliance website at blackmamasmatteralliance.org. Um, if you want to learn more about centering healthcare, what I spoke about earlier, you can go to centeringhealthcare.org. Um, and you can also learn more about the obstetrics and gynecology department here at Howard Brown and all of the new and exciting things we're doing at howardbrownhealth.org slash obstetrics 
and gynecology. <laughs> awesome. You you rattled off those euros really quickly. I'm yeah. impressed. Um, speaking uh, quickly, any last uh, parting words you want to impart to our listeners? I mean, we have a national audience. Some people are healthcare professionals. Some people uh, just care about healthcare. Um, so uh, a wide variety of listeners. Any any final wisdom to impart surrounding Black Maternal Health Week? Um, I would say um, just thank you so much for listening um, and tuning in. Black Maternal Health Week um, is definitely such an important awareness week in terms of like health awareness weeks. And it's a great jumping off point to really become informed about the disparities in health outcomes um, for Black birthing parents. Um, And I think if you want to learn more about the data, also visit the CDC um, to get more, um, more data and learn also how to get involved on the national level if you're not in Illinois. I love that. Wonderful words. Thank you for coming so much. We appreciate it. And that has been our episode on Black Reproductive Health here at Howard Brown. If you're interested in any of the things that we talked about in the episode, you can go to www.howardbrown.org for more information. Thanks for listening.